Well, I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, is where we're going to be camped out this morning. It's page 828, if you want to use the Pew Bible. You, of course, are welcome to use any scripture that you brought with you. Encourage you to use that. And for you church members who are, are here every Sunday and hear me say almost the exact same thing. The reason why I keep saying, in terms of, you know, opening your Bibles and this is the page number, the reason why I keep saying it is because some of you don't do it. So when you all do it, I promise to stop saying it, all right? See, I'm a little ornery today. I don't know what it is. Russ, what is it, man? I'm a little fired up. Went to a pastor's conference. I'll blame that. And then spent four hours with him. So it's a balance, all right? It was a pastor's conference mixed with uh, good time, good time. Um, Last week, we ended off with this verse. Beautiful verse. uh, Encouraging to me. I hope encouraging to you. But it read this. It said, uh, Paul wrote, he says, until, meaning we're going to exercise our gifts, we're going to sharpen one another, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, right? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, meaning we become Christ-like. Now, this sound, I mean, this is great. This, what an amazing thing to strive towards. And, and we certainly want this of everyone else. Uh, we, we would like people to become mature. We enjoy it when we're around Christ-like people. Um, most of the time we think unity is a good idea. Occasionally we bump into someone and we're not certain we want to be unified with them at least. But we're, we're for that for the most part. But I will tell you, there's another part of me and I believe another part of you that when you see that, and, and you understand, you're saying, okay, we're supposed to encourage one another and serve one another using our gifts until, and we realize, like, we never can quite get there. Like, until we're with Christ in eternity, perfect unity is never present. And we're never fully mature, and obviously we're never perfectly Christ-like. Isn't there a little frustration inside of you? I tell you, there is in me. Because when I see that, it's not that I don't desire it, I want it. Maturity, yes. Christ-likeness, yes. Unity, especially within our congregation, yes. I want it. But I'm just frustrated because I, I, just, I, I wish I had some kind of tool, some kind of method, some kind of exercise that would help me get it. I do. Because sometimes it just seems like it's impossible to get to. Well, today, Paul's going to give us that key. And I entitled this sermon, Key to Growth, because Paul's going to lay out a phrase in here that I absolutely love. And I I am not stretching this when I tell you that it's something that goes through my mind every day. Almost in every conversation. How do I do what Paul's about to share? What does, what Paul's going to share, the key to growth that I'm going to share with you this morning from Paul, how do I use it? If I use it, what would it look like with this person? What would it look like in this conversation? What would it look like in this environment? It is so challenging. It is so meaningful. If you're here, though, and I, and I understand this is a dynamic that's present in any time I'm talking to a group, I'm coming at this passage with a desire to become more Christ-like. And, and I believe that's many of you. But I also believe that many of you are like, ah, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm exploring faith. I have a question about faith. I'm not all for church. I kind of, you know, I like being here, but there's other reasons. I, whatever it is, what, that's okay. 
you, we want to be a church, this congregation wants to be a church that you are welcome and you are comfortable unless it is God's Spirit that makes you uncomfortable. We're not, we're not looking to judge people. It's not, that's not what we're about. That's not what we're about. So I want to invite you, if this morning you're going, listen, Pastor, I have no desire to grow in a faith because I'm not sure I'm e- I even possess that faith. The key to growth that Paul's going to share with you this morning works in absolutely any relationship that you have. I, I mean it. This, this key to growth will better any relationship that you have, it, it be even work environment, but certainly uh, as a parent, as a spouse, in a dating relationship with the other friendships you have. This key to growth will help you, will assist you, will cause you to be successful in the relationships that you yourself value. I promise you, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul transitions from, we, we read 13, and he's now going to transition, and he's, he, this is all linked together with last week in Paul. He's, he's got the same thought going on here in terms of using our gifts to serve one another. But he, he says this, he says, then, meaning what we talked about last week, when, when we're using our gifts to serve one another, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by every cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. But Paul's talking about two things. He's saying, okay, as we, in verse 13, grow in unity, in maturity, in Christ-likeness, we then no longer have to be infants. And, and you and I, we don't want to really look at ourselves as being immature. Uh, that's not really something we like to think about. But let's just all be safe this morning. We all know someone else who is, right? I mean, let's just be safe. We're thinking of someone else that's immature. But Paul lists two things, two things that happen when you are immature. And this, this could mean in faith, he's referring to faith. It could also mean in life. One, you're just tossed around by every wave. What, what is Paul talking about? He's talking about in life, as circumstances come against you and something happens, you, what you believe or what you stand for or what you're all about is just knocked around. You know, it, 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 sometimes, especially at camp, I get to have these kind of discussions where a child has accepted faith, they, they, have a, they believe they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but then they're uncertain. Well, that tends to come with maturity. But certainly, for any adult, as, as we grow and things happen and we kind of question our faith, that can be a sign, that can be a result of, of immaturity, of being a toddler. I think another thing that happens is when we say, listen, this, and whatever it is, you name it, faith, not faith, I mean, you're I don't care, your car, whatever it is. You say, this is the most important thing to me. You identify that. It's the most important thing to me. But circumstances, this is what happens with with people struggling with maturity, and I believe that maybe all of us at times. Circumstances come, the waves come, and we, all of a sudden, that's not the most important thing. Because we don't even interact with, if it's a person, we don't even interact with that person. Or if uh, we say, hey, I want to be at this place every week, at this time, that's important. I want to be to work on time, that's important. Unless the alarm sounds, 
and I have the option to hit the snooze button. At that point, this is no longer important. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying every wave, every circumstance that comes against you changes your priorities. That's immaturity. The other thing he talks about is he says um, that we would not be blown around by, by winds of doctrine. He talks about trickiness or craftiness of men in Ephesus and in, in most of the New Testament world, and of course in our world today, we see this. Men who would say whatever they need to say in order for people to follow them. And, and there's two tests for this. Uh, Paul's talking about the trickiness and the craftiness of men. There's two tests, and one of them is, is concrete. One of them, though, is simply this, is what are their motives what is the motive of the individual that's speaking or the organization that's pursuing you? What is that motive? And, and I understand that that can be difficult to know sometimes because some people are very good at covering up. Organizations could be very good at covering up their motive. Certainly, if you're watching a 30-second commercial, they're not letting you know what their motive is. That's not the priority. The priority is to engage you. And so there is... They're knowing what their motive is, but I can tell you, you have a, a mature person has the responsibility and, and looks to find out what the motive is. They want to find out. They don't just blindly follow whatever sounds good. They want to find out what is the motive of that person. Well, that may be difficult, but the second thing that is discussed is knowing who they're talking about. I, I want to share with you first, John, you're welcome to write down this passage in, in your bulletin or notes or next to the verse if you want to do that or you can turn there first john chapter four just want to read this to you it's a test for us to know who do we listen to first john chapter four verses one through three john writes this he says dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god because many false prophets have come and have gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. John was very specific. He's like, listen, it's your job to know the heart of the person or the content of who it is you're following. And this is what you do. Do they say the same thing about Jesus that he said about himself? As you listen to this person or you follow this organization or you look at their belief statement or you find out whatever it is you have to do, do they say the same thing about Jesus that he said about himself, that he was the Savior of the world, God's one and only Son, that he was fully God and yet fully man, that he died, was buried, and rose again? Do they say that about Jesus? Because if they don't say that about Jesus, don't follow them, don't listen to them. So that's a little test, a little test. So we, we see here in verse 14 that Paul, and going back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, Paul's saying, hey, we have a need for growth, if you're filling in those blanks. We have a need for growth. And then in verse 15, he gives us that key that I talked about at the very beginning of the message, that tool, that method the means for which you and I can strive for unity, can strive for growth, and it's simply these words, speaking the truth 
in love. I absolutely love this phrase. If you've been around me, you have heard this many times come out of my mouth, speaking the truth in love. Uh, I want to I go through each of these words. I can't tell you how important this is to me. One, look at this word speaking. We've got to start here. Uh, I, I think if we're reading that, we go, okay, wait, yeah, we're speaking. And, and, and I, I promise, I understand that most of you are very good at speaking. You know who to speak to. You practice it. Um, you're very good at it. Very good at communicating. Very good at letting people know what you think and how you feel. I understand that. But there are some, there are some of us in circumstances where we quiet down. We, we decide that we're not going to speak whatever it is. We're just going to disengage. We're just going to, we say things like, I'm going to let this blow over. Or I'm going to let this pass. Or I'm going to wait a while. Or I'm going to wait for the right moment. And in our minds, we know that moment's never coming. Right? Speaking. This, it requires action. Again, we're talking about a key to growth. Growth for you, for you and for the people you're relating to requires you to speak. Requires you to take the initiative and say, I'm going to step out of what's comfortable to me and I'm going to pursue you as a person. I'm going to engage you. I'm going to speak. Now certainly, in all of this, we need wisdom and we're going to get there. We don't just speak, you know. Like I said, most of us are very good at just talking. And if you're like me, very often it can be the wrong thing said at the wrong time with the wrong heart. I mean, it's a struggle, right? But I just wanted to challenge some of you who decide that when things are uncomfortable, you're going to disengage and you're not going to say anything. First key to growth is speaking. You have to take the initiative. But what is it that we speak? See, now we're, we're getting out. Less of us maybe do this. We need to speak the truth. The truth. There are two things I want to say here in regards to truth. One, the truth is always what God says about something. What God, and, and more specifically, what God's Word says about something. This church, this pastor, uh, our beliefs are that God's Word is true 100% of the time. That it has no error in it. If we can believe what it says. It's the truth. So if God's word says something about something, that's what truth is. That's what we should be speaking. But there's another type of truth also, right? Because um, if, if, I, if I get gas at Huck's, I, you're not going to find in the Bible where it says, and Johnny got gas at Huck's, right? It's not going to describe that to you. There's another type of truth. There's kind of, a, and I don't know exactly how to word it, but I'm going to call it experiential truth, meaning I've experienced it. And let me, let me get to what I'm saying here. There's another type of truth. Truth is what you have experienced for yourself or someone has told you firsthand. When, when someone has told me something firsthand, they experienced it, they saw it, if I'm going to speak it, I'm going to say, so-and-so told me they saw that's truth. That's truth. I never, never say, well, you know, I heard. 
you know, and it probably was from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so about them. I don't repeat that. I don't know if that's true. I'm speaking the truth. I have experienced it, or I've seen it in God's Word, or I've heard a first-hand account, and I'm going to let you know this is the person who told me this is what took place. There is no, did you hear about? I heard someone else talking to someone else about, you don't speak that. That's not speaking the truth. Let me tell you what, where we fall off on this sometimes. Because we're okay with speaking the truth when it's like happy, you know, and exciting. Like, hey, I really love, and, and I deal with this. Like as a pastor, when I look at a passage and it's like this exciting amazing truth about our Savior and how He unconditionally loves us. I'm ready to share that. Like, let's talk about it. Our Savior's great. Our Savior's amazing. He loves us. And I, I can talk about that all day long. When I come up on a passage like this, I'm going, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should talk about something else this week, you know, like leading somewhere else, you know. It's these kind of things that I'm uncomfortable about. But speaking the truth means that I set aside, remember, this is a key to growth. This is a key to growth. I set aside my discomfort because I want growth. I think another thing that we struggle with sometimes in speaking the truth to others is we think more of our social positioning than we do about our growth. Meaning, if I say this to them, they may not like me anymore, and their group of friends may leave, and I won't hang out with them anymore. It's that kind of thing. Honestly, if we're honest with one another, I'm talking to mostly adults here, but we sound like teenagers sometimes when we think that way. I, I want to speak the truth, but if I, if I told them that they're headed in a bad direction, that I've headed in that direction, and, and man, if I say that to them, they're not going to want to talk to me. Speaking the truth means, like, I push past that. I set aside the awkward. I set aside the discomfort because I want to grow and I want them to grow. Well, even, even at this point, many of you are very good at this. We, we talk about we can use the truth. And I've, I've used this before. I think in the past I've brought a sledgehammer up here because we can use the truth as kind of a sledgehammer on people. Not really Christ's approach to how he used truth. Um, last week... Paul was talking about, you know, how do we use our gifts? And, and one commentator said this. He said, you know, without love, we use our gift more as a weapon than we do a tool. In speaking the truth, it needs to be done in love. Here's what, here's what love is when, when you're speaking to someone the truth. You're looking out for their best interests. You want to say what's going to help them. You're not there to make a point. You know, so, so many times I think we're so thrilled that we're right. I, I do this. I do this. My poor wife. You know, I'm like, hey. And, and maybe I make much of it because most of the time she's right, and that's good. That's why God gave her to me. But every once in a while I'm right, you know, and I'm like, hey, I was right. Me, I was joking with Ed. He, he went with me to this pastor's conference, and on the way back, I was like, that's twice today I've been right. You know, I'm all excited. You know, I got a record book. You know, times I've been right. It was two in one day. That was a record. So I was excited about it. Well, I tell you what, I applaud you and me for being right. That's sarcasm. I'm, I'm telling you, that's sarcasm. Yeah, you were, you were going to applaud me for being right. 
I appreciate that. Listen, it, it doesn't matter. We need to be right. We need to have truth in what we're saying. But in love, meaning it's helpful. If I leave a conversation and the person says, well, you're right, and I haven't helped them, I failed. I failed. When you're in a, in a situation and you can speak the truth, it is your job. Not, you're not trying to make a point. You're trying to help. You're trying to help. That's what love does. That's what love looks like. Now, man, I will tell you why your pastor has to wrestle with this every day. It's because my heart doesn't want to do this. My heart doesn't want to do this. I don't like taking the initiative. I'd rather just chill out. I'd rather go home. I'd rather build something or talk about football, something. I don't want to take the initiative. Speaking the truth, I know people don't want to hear this. Why do I, why do I, why do I have to say that? In love, in a way to help them, if I get to the point where I'm willing to speak and it's going to be the truth, can't I just make my point and leave it at that? Paul says in love. It has to be all of these things. And I wrestle each day with a natural tendency to not do it. And so I'm reminding myself constantly. Now, so I, if, that's my, if that's me, if that's your pastor, I know that you have the same struggle. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is asking a lot. Pastor, this is asking too much. This, I, I want to remind you of why we do this. It's key to growth, right? So here's the key to growth. Remember what Paul said in the first verse? You can look up at it if you want. Paul said this. He said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's not commanding you. Your pastor's not commanding you. I'm not going to give you a test. I'm not going to, you know, next week you're not going to come back and you're only allowed in if you were, you know, spoke the truth in love all week long. We're not going to do that. And this morning, you can be like, that's stupid, and walk out, and I will love you and welcome you back. It's fine. You can send me an email. It won't bother me. That was ridiculous. Uh, you know, send. I, it's okay. I'm not going to post it. Possibly. Possibly. It depends on, you know, if you say sincerely or not, you know. Paul says, I want you to live a life worthy. For the individual that wants to live a life worthy of what? The calling that they have received, the salvation that they have received, they're willing to speak the truth in love. I, I'll tell you the secret, the secret to pushing past the discomfort and the natural tendency that you and I have to not do this. Here's the secret. I'll tell you a little story. I've recently had interactions with an eight-year-old boy in regards to how clean his shirt is. All right, moms, you're with me? Um... You know, child, do you, would you put on a clean shirt? They come back out and they're wearing yesterday's dirty shirt. I know it sat on the floor for a while, but that didn't make it clean. Can you, you what? You know, and the whole thing, you know, is dirty. And, and as a parent, you're constantly reminded of yourself whenever you talk to your kids. At least I am. The reason why, I've told you, I have five children is because that, the Holy Spirit needed five tools in my life to communicate the changes that I needed to make. So every time I look at a child and say, can't you just be kind to one another? The Spirit goes, why were you mean to that person earlier in the day? Like, it's impossible now for me to talk to my children without God's Spirit telling me something. Um, 
So you remember as a parent, your children. And I remember being a child and having no clue what my shirt looked like. No clue. Um, until 10 years old. And right about 10, maybe 11, I'm not really sure. don't remember the age. But all of a sudden, there were girls around me. And I thought, I want to be wearing a clean shirt. Now, my mom had told me for years, put on a clean shirt. We're going someplace, change your shirt. I go upstairs, grab the yesterday's shirt off the floor, put it on, go out to the van. Do the same thing. All of a sudden, at 10, I wanted a clean shirt. Not only that, but I stopped buying Hot Wheel cars, and do you know what I bought? Shirts. Isn't that crazy? It's wild, right? You follow where I'm going? You think speaking the truth and love is difficult, but you can get to a point in your life or in whatever relationship you value where you value the growth of the relationship more than your comfort. You don't, you don't care anymore about the past and what you thought about. You want growth more than anything. You want unity more than anything. You want Christ-likeness more than anything. You want the relationship be it faith-based or family-based or work-based or just friends-based, you want that relationship to grow. And so you say, I don't care about the discomfort. I'm pushing past that, and I'm now speaking the truth in love. I'm committing myself to do that. What, it, what is Paul saying in all of this? Just as a summary, when he's saying set aside your comfort in order to grow that's that idea of speaking. Take initiative. Take action. Second, center yourself on truth. Is what I'm saying true? May that be your first concern, not how will this affect my relationships. Truth is the priority. As you're speaking, focus on helping others with your words. You need to be right because you need to be truthful. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is do you help the other? And I tell you what, this is the prayer that I pray for you and I pray for me is that we would have courage each and every day to do the right thing. John's going to come and just play a bit so you and I can go to our Savior and say, God, am I doing this? If you're like me, you know there's times you're not doing this. Maybe it's you have to focus in on truth. Maybe it's that you have to focus in on the love portion of this. But what do you need to do to speak the truth in love? And let me end by encouraging you with something. Um, it's found in verse 15 and 16. What is the result of this? What's going to happen? It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, this is verse 15, Ephesians chapter 4, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. The way this is worded, in, in the NIV, it says, we will, uh, some of your other translations say, may, it may happen, it may become. The way Paul said this is, it's, it's, it's like this, it's like, we're, we're going to speak the truth in love, and we're going to grow. He's like, it's, it's just, they happen at the same time. This is why it's a key to growth. He, he's almost, he's, he's stopping just short of saying, I guarantee you will grow if you will learn to speak the truth in love. He's stopping just short of that. He's saying, we will speak the truth in love, and we will grow. And also, of course, as we exercise our gifts in serving one another. 
Look at verse 16 with me. This is so cool. From Him, being Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That, you read that verse, and it's, it's a little tricky to read because here's what he's saying. He's saying, the body grows itself. And we go, no, it doesn't. That doesn't make sense. Grammatically, scientifically, like that doesn't make sense. But that's what he's saying. This body, this congregation, will grow itself in depth and breadth when we grow each other, when we speak truth and love to one another. What an amazing promise that Paul has given us, both last week and this week. The tool, the method. In these next moments, I invite you to just take, take a few minutes with your Savior. You're welcome to do that up here. You're welcome to come and pray with me. You're welcome to come and pray by yourself at the altar. You're welcome to pray where you are. Or if maybe you need to just pray with someone neck close to you. Whatever it is, the important thing is that you go to your Savior and say, God, what is this going to look like in my life? How can I do better at this? Let's pray.